My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. I am going to break down the entire UFC Vegas 43 Vieira versus Tate fight card. I'm going to give you my bets, my predictions, my monkey knife fight plays, and draft king's picks. Before I dig in, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets and jump into a promo. We have three different betting partners. All of them offer deposit matches. And if you jump in, you make a deposit with any of them or all of them, I will send you $50 each. $50 from me to you, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, however you want it. Wewantpicks.com slash bets. Click the button, sign up, make a deposit, let me know, and I will send you $50 as a thank you for supporting me and our partners. Before I dig in, let's just recap. We're killing it. Killing it. I haven't been down money on bets in six plus months. I may have gotten a little aggressive on this card. We'll find out. But I already have, I think, five bets on this card. It's a midday card. It's a week-ish type card. But there's a lot of spots here to make some money. Let's jump right in. First up, at UFC Vegas 43, we have Luana Pinero versus Sam Hughes. Luana Pinero, 5-0 and in her last five, 9-1 and overall. Sam and Hughes, 5-3 and in her career, 2-3 and in her last five. And before I jump in, you'll notice we have a nice new graphic here. Let me know in the comments if you like this graphic. The rest of this card will be the old graphic, so pay attention. Let me know if you like the graphic or not. We're just trying to make little tweaks. Trying to make the show better. Either way, Luana Pinero has a ton of power. She's a powerful striker. She has solid takedowns. She's coming off that weird DQ situation with Ronda Marcos where she ate an illegal kick and took the opportunity to take the win instead of continuing. A lot of people trashed her that night, but she was dominating. She had five takedowns in four minutes. This wasn't like the Aljamain Sterling situation where he was losing and the only way he'd get the win is to claim DQ. She got hit very hard with a very illegal strike in a fight that she was dominating and dominating early. So people want to trash her, but I don't see that as taking the easy way out. Not when she was up uh, as easily as she was. Ultimately, Luana is a very good striker who has very good takedowns and very good BJJ. Simply put, Luana Panero is very good. Sam Hughes, she's a good striker. Uh, she is big for the weight class. She's very aggressive, but also very hittable. She has a negative two-to-one striking differential, which means she has hit twice as much as she hits her opponents. Her forward pressure could be an issue for some people, but I actually think that will play well into Luana's takedown style. I think Sam, she might come in a little too aggressive. Luana get herself a nice trip, get a nice takedown, sort of force something to happen there. Uh, if you look at her last fight, Sam was taken down four times by Luke Boonmi, who's also on this card. But Luke Boonmi is tiny and a striker, and Sam was still taken down four times in that fight. Um, so the fact that Luana is a good-sized grappler, a good striker, I think she has absolutely no issues getting this to the ground. I think she has absolutely no issues with Sam Hughes. This is a pretty straightforward pick, honestly. Minus 290, those odds are probably correct. Um, but if we look at the DraftKings price, $9,300 for Luana. I, that's where it gets a little tricky. Now, she may get a bunch of takedowns because Sam can get up. So she may get a bunch of takedowns. That's five points per takedown. So Luana may score well there. Sam Hughes at 6,900. I don't like that because I don't, I don't know what she's going to do, how she's going to make that happen. Uh, the odds makers have this going to a decision. 93 strikes for Luana, 64 for Sam Hughes. That's a really good strike line because I do think it probably goes to a decision. Luana will be on top, so she'll put in some work, get some good strikes off on top. Sam Hughes will be defending takedowns, be on bottom. It'll be a little harder for her to get that strike line. But Sam Hughes is tough. I have dogged her in the past by saying she's not tough. But she is tough. We've seen her in a few fights since I've made those comments. I've rewatched some other fights. Dan and I argued about that because I was like, I don't think she's very tough. And Dan was like, look at their five-round war. She was in a five-round war, and she was in that fight, hanging tough. So she's definitely tougher. I think she will be hard to put away. I don't see Luana putting her away because while she's got very good takedowns, good striking, powerful striker, I don't know if she's knocking anybody out or doing anything like that, right? 
I think she'll work to a nice decision win. Luan is the pick. Monkey knife fight, probably more and more. Probably more and more. I think Luana will be busy on top. I think Sam Hughes will be tough. Defend some takedowns if she can. Stay busy. Make it happen. Come forward. More and more monkey knife fight. I'm probably not going to play Luana in DraftKings, but Luana is the pick. I don't know if there's a betting opportunity here, but um, you know, it's a pretty straightforward pick. I feel pretty good about it. And uh, let's see what happens. Wheelpicks.com slash bets. Make a deposit, let me know, and I will pay you $50. Next up, at UFC Vegas 43, we have Shylon Nerdenbeek. 0% chance I got that correct. Vershawn Soriano. Shylon is a powerful grappler who likes to come forward with heavy strikes, and he has a bully style where he plots forward, throws big, pushes you against the cage, and works takedowns from there. He will transition from one takedown to another pretty well, and when he's on top, he has solid pressure and solid ground and pound. Sean Soriano is a powerful puncher. He marches forward. He throws with incredible speed and intent. He's definitely the faster fighter of the two. In, this is his second stint in the UFC. This is his second fight in his second stint in the UFC. He was cut in 2015. His last fight was short notice against Christos Gallegos. And if if you watch his regional fights, Sean's, you'll see that he's very well-rounded. You'll see that he has solid takedown defense, great kicks. But in the UFC, his takedown defense is just okay at 53%. And we don't see the same versatile striking from him. We don't see the same output, the same variety in the UFC from Sean Soriano that we've seen on the regional scene. At a certain point, you have to look at that and just, it's either the level of competition or the moment is too big. But Sean Soriano outside of the UFC and Sean Soriano inside the UFC are very different fighters. I think this fight is much closer than the odds. I don't think this is a two-to-one favorite on either side of this. Sean has heavy hands and incredible speed, but we haven't really seen him rise to that UFC level just yet. Uh, Shalilan uh, also has big power, but will use that power to set up takedowns. And I'm leaning towards Shailan here. Uh, my only hesitation is the fact that his striking defense is not great. And he gets hit pretty often. And this is a tough pick. It really is a tough pick. But I do trust Shailan to move forward, push a wrestling game plan. Uh, and I trust that more than I do for Sean to loosen up, let his hands go, let his feet go, defensive takedowns, and sort of get everything out. So, you know, honestly, it, it's... Less of a pick for Shailan and more of one against Sean Soriano. Sean Soriano is a good fighter, but we just have not seen him rise to the occasion in the UFC. $9,000, I'm obviously not spending that. I will spend the $7,200 for Shailan, Shailan. I'm so sorry for butchering his name. I really try. This one's crazy. Look at the last name. No shot I could get that. But listen, $7,200... For a guy that can push forward, stomp forward with heavy pressure and takedowns and power, I like that. I do think he gets it done. I really do. I think he wins. So at $7,200, I'll have my lineup. I don't have a money line bet on him because while I think he wins, and I'm up money every single week, and it's because I pick my spots. This isn't a spot that I am so confident I'm going to pick You know, with my money. But it'll definitely be in my lineup. And Monkey Knife Fight, I like the more and more. I don't see a stoppage here. I don't see either one of these guys getting a stoppage. So I do like the more and more. I think they'll go at it. I think it'll be competitive. Uh, but I think Shalinian will get some takedowns. Shalilan, he'll end up on top. He'll definitely blow past his strike line. And Sean Soriano, listen, he is tough. He's in these fights. It's not like he's showing up to the UFC, getting knocked out in 10 seconds, leaving. He's here. He's putting in the effort. I just haven't seen him rise to that level just yet. And, you know, there's a lot of questions with, uh, Shalilan and what he can do, but I trust his versatility with the wrestling and the striking to get it done. More and more on the Monkey Knife Fight strike line, and I know a lot of you are watching this. You have no idea what the hell Monkey Knife Fight is. It's super easy, and it's a ton of fun. It is daily fantasy. It's an app on your phone. It's a website. You get a picture just like this, 65 for Soriano, 45 for Shalilan. All you need to do is say more or less if you think that person will land more than their strike line or less than their strike line. Lock it in and you can two and a half times your money. Super easy, super fun. 
wehomepicks.com slash MKF, and they will instantly match your deposit up to $100. Take the instant match, use the free money, play the lines, and go from there. It's a ton of fun. Super easy. Check it out. Next up, at UFC Vegas 43, we have Cody Durden versus Kui Lang Aori, or Aori Ki Lang, or A. Ki Lang. I have seen his name split up, not split up, spelled 10 ways. It's all over the place. But Cody Durgan, 3-1-1 one, and one in his last five, coming off of a wild flying triangle submission loss. He's 11-3 and three overall in his career. Key Lang is 18-8 and eight in his career, 4-1 and one in his last five. Cody Durden is a wrestler. He throws big looping punches to close the distance and get a takedown. And his takedowns are very good. He chains them together really well. His accuracy is less than 30%, but that's because he transitions from one to another quickly. He'll get in on the legs. You start to sprawl. He'll go to a single. He'll pull the single. You start to sprawl again. He comes back out to the double. And he chain wrestles and he works from one takedown to another. And he's relentlessly looking for those takedowns, which drives his accuracy down to 30%. Keelang Aori is a well-rounded guy with incredible pressure and pace. He can fight a technical fight or brawl to the bell. Like Cody, Keelang also uses his striking to set up takedowns, but he does it differently. He's got solid footwork, solid movement, and a very sturdy chin. Uh, he is listed at having a 100% takedown defense. But we don't have enough data to take that seriously. He doesn't have enough fights in the UFC to really dig into that data and say, well, 100% takedown defense, that's going to hold up for sure. And that's what makes this a hard fight to pick. Both guys will be looking to grapple and are most comfortable on the ground. Key Lang is the better striker and has solid enough footwork where he may be able to touch up Cody uh, and then you know, take a, get Cody to take a bad shot and uh, capitalize from there. I am leaning towards Key Lang here because I think he's more well-rounded. The footwork could absolutely be the difference, but Cody's ability to continue coming forward, continue attacking the hips of Key Lang has me nervous. He could just shoot 1 million takedowns, constantly hanging on Key Lang's hips, constantly trying to get a takedown that he's going to take away the distance, take away any of the striking from Key Lang. Uh, and again, that, that has me nervous. This fight will come down to Aori's takedown defense, which we really don't know enough about yet. Right now, the plus three and a half on Key Lang is minus 150, which I'm not comfortable enough yet, but I'm going to monitor that. And if you don't know what plus three and a half is, basically that's a bet where you can buy a single round on the judge's scorecard. So basically, if I took that bet, Key Lang could lose a decision, a 29-28 decision. He could give up a round, give up another round, but win a round and you would win your bet. You would hit that bet. And not only do I think Key Lang will win this fight, I absolutely think he can win a round. I'm just not loving minus 150. I'm hoping some money comes in on Cody Durden, drives that, and then I will hit that plus three and a half bet. I'm very comfortable buying a single round on the judge's scorecard to get that done. Let him lose a decision. I don't care. I'll hit my bet. I'll make my money. Um, you're only going to get that. That prop bet, that safety net, win one round, win the fight, win the bet prop at wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have three different partners. That prop bet is offered by Bet Online. Go in there, sign up, make a deposit, let me know after you do, and I will send you 50 bucks. Literally $50 as a thank you from me to you for supporting us and supporting our partners. So I do like that bet. I'm going to wait. I have a feeling the line's going to move. I think money's going to come in on Cody. So uh, I'm good to wait, and maybe I'll get that at minus 120 by the end of the week. And minus 120 for Key Lang to win a single round, absolutely. And he is my pick. And he's my pick because I mentioned that striking. I think he's definitely got the better striking. He also is a grappler. My only hesitation with doing a money line bet is his takedown defense. It's listed at 100%, but we just don't have enough data to know. Listen, $7,600, he might be in my DraftKings lineup. I think there's incredible value there. I mentioned I think he can win the fight. Takedowns are five points each, and that's what both of these guys are going to be looking for. If you're on the Cody side and you think he smashes this dude, you can get him at under $9,000 for $8,600. You might want to give that a try. And Monkey Knife Fight is interesting because these are tough guys. Neither one of them is sort of a prolific finisher that's just blasting through people. 
It's probably a less less on the monkey knife fight strike line. That's probably where I'm most comfortable because there will be grappling. There will be defending of takedowns. Eventually, somebody's going to end up on top and they will get up some decent numbers. But I think there's enough grappling to sort of keep the strike line low here. So I'm going to go ahead less less on monkey knife fight. Looking at that plus three and a half bet for um, Keylang. And that's at weonpicks.com slash bets. Jump in, make a deposit. Let me know, and I will send you $50, $50, PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, however you want it, just for supporting us and our partners. Next up, at UFC Vegas 43, we have Terrence McKinney versus Faraz ZM. Terrence McKinney, 11-3 overall, 4-1 and one in his last five, riding a four-fight knockout streak. Faraz ZM, 4-1 and one, in his last five, coming off of two solid decision wins, he is 12-3 and three overall. Terrence McKinney was a giant underdog in his last fight. He took it on short notice. Nobody liked him to win. I absolutely did not understand that. I had him winning, and it was a great underdog spot to be on. He had a seven-second knockout. McKinney is long. He is powerful. He likes to fight at range, but don't let all of those knockouts confuse you or fool you because he is a very good wrestler. He is a JUCO All-American wrestler. JUCO stands for junior college. And many times, JUCO All-American wrestlers are D1 caliber wrestlers that just didn't have the grades to get into a big D1 school or get that scholarship that they needed. So very good wrestler. In fact, not that this has anything to do with his wrestling credentials, but Michael Chiesa was his high school wrestling coach, um, and which is pretty cool. Both of them are on this card, uh, and he is a much better wrestler than Michael Chiesa, which is why I said that is not a reference to his skill set. Veras CM, long, rangy striker who also works well in the clinch. He manages range well with solid leg kicks, and if he does work into a clinch, he has solid elbows. He's the more technical fighter here, and he definitely avoids risks. He picks his shots well. He only engages when he sees an opportunity, meaning he has no issues waiting on the outside for the perfect time to come in. He'll mix it up before quickly working his way back out of range, rinse and repeat that cycle. He takes his time, and he looks to point his way to victory. This is one of the few fights where I actually think the odds are too close. It's basically a pick 'em. Different books are moving a little bit, but I think this is too close. Farasian is absolutely the more technical striker, but nowhere near the athlete, nowhere near as powerful. And even though he has a 68% takedown defense, he has been taken down in every single UFC fight, including five times against Jamie Malarkey, who is nowhere near the wrestler that Terrence McKinney is. I think Terrence comes in, he does look to trade early, I think he will not get an early knockout, so he will quickly move to a wrestling game plan where he will dominate. I have a money line bet on Terrence at pretty much even money. I think a minus 115 is what I got it on. And I'm happy to take that bet. I really see Terrence McKinney dominating this fight. I, I genuinely do. I'm surprised these odds are as close as they are. Veras, technical. Takes his time, picks his shots. But Terrence McKinney is so athletic and so wild, he won't wait. He's not going to let Faraz dictate the pace. He's just going to come forward, make something happen, and go from there. He is coming off that knockout, so I expect him to come looking for another one. Realize he's probably not going to get that, and then move into his takedowns and have a ton of success there. Mon money line bet on Terrence McKinney. $8,400. I'll probably have my DraftKings lineup because I do think he scores well and there is stoppage potential. I have no idea what to do with this monkey knife fight strike line. You guys let me know. Do you think Terrence McKinney is going to land more than 71 strikes? It's hard to say. And honestly, he's probably more likely to land more than 71 than Faraz is to land 55 because Faraz is a, is a low-volume guy. He picks his shots. He takes his time. He has no problem dancing around. So less, less is probably the play here because I think Terrence will just implement a wrestling game plan, be super busy on top, use some of that power and athleticism, and maybe get something done. But if you like any of these monkey knife fight strike lines, two things. One, play them now because they will move. By tomorrow morning, those lines will move because the money will come in. The money moves the lines. Two, weonpicks.com slash MKF. Sign up. Get your deposit match. 
play with the free money. If you want to follow along with the money line bet, go to wedontpicks.com slash bets. I said this 1 million times. Make a deposit. Let me know. I will send you $50 as a thank you for supporting us and supporting our partners. Next up, at UFC Vegas 43, we have Lupita Godinez versus Loma Lukbunmi. Lupita Godinez, 6-2 and two overall, 3-2 and two in her last five, coming off of a short-notice decision loss. Loma Lukbunmi, 6-2 and two in her career, 4-1 and one in her last five. This is Lupita's third fight in basically a month. She took a short-notice fight three weeks ago against Luana Carolina, which was just one week after she beat Silvana Juarez, and now she's jumping in again to save the day, another short-notice spot. Lupita is very big. She's a strong wrestler, solid striking, real power, and clean boxing. She has great setups to both wrestling and striking, and while she's very big for this weight class, she is small for the next weight class up. Uh, she uses her side and strength well to execute her game plan, and her loss against Carolina, that short-notice loss I mentioned, was at 125 pounds where she couldn't bully. She couldn't fight the way she fights. This is back at 115, and she will be big, strong, and able to push her way around. Loma Lukbunmi, great Muay Thai striker with very good volume and deceiving power. I say deceiving because she is small. She is clearly undersized for this division. She surprised everybody in her last fight when she out-wrestled Sam Hughes with four takedowns. Four takedowns against the much bigger Sam Hughes. Uh, and she's a nasty Muay Thai fighter. Uh, she had a clear striking advantage, but moved forward with that solid wrestling. If she gets taken down, she's not great on the ground, but her submission defense is solid. She has a 76% takedown defense but she gets taken down in pretty much every single one of her fights except the last one. Um, this will be an interesting fight. This is when we will find out how good Luke Boonmi actually is. In her last fight, she showed everybody how well-rounded she is with those four takedowns. She showed us that she can be the bully even though she's undersized. But this is a much different fight. I see Lupita taking Loma down at will, working from there. Uh, she will have a very clear size advantage, and with her average of almost five takedowns per fight, five, uh, I don't see her giving Loma the opportunity to get into a rhythm. I think Lupita is definitely the pick here. I have a money line bet on her as well at minus 150. I don't love spending that kind of money, um, but I'm just so confident in Lupita. I just feel like you know, and maybe I'm way off here because Loma is a nasty striker, but I just see Lupita bullying her way to a win, just ragdolling. There will be a clear size difference here. Lupita is not Sam Hughes. She's not going to take her time, not going to get stuck on her back foot. She'll come forward. She's a capable striker in her own right. She'll bully Loma to the ground, minus 150. I threw a full unit on that on Lupita. 8,800 bucks. I think that's that's well-priced, honestly. I think that's well-priced. I would have liked to get her for a little less because she is short notice. But $8,800, you know, I, I'll, I'll probably try to squeeze her into my lineup because five points per takedown. She has a ton of takedowns in her fights. She should pay for herself. I just don't know how I'm going to afford her and everybody else. Lots of favorites on this card that are that are uh, priced a little high, if you ask me. Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line. 62 to 89, definitely not getting 89. I don't see Loma getting off 89 shots. She will be on her back, taken down, pushed around, shoved around. This may be a more or less situation. More on Lupita because she will be on top. She will be busy and less on Loma because she'll be off her back, not going to get all those strikes off. She does have incredible volume. And listen, we will find out how good of a striker Loma is. If she can keep that range and just light up Lupita, stay on the outside, not get pushed around, then she is, considering how small she is, making that happen, then, then good for her, right? But I see Lupita getting it done. Money line bet for me. Less more. Monkey Knife Fight is the play. We want picks.com slash bets. Make a deposit. Let me know after you do, and I will send you 50 bucks. It's that clean. It is that easy. I've paid out a ridiculous amount of people these last two weeks. Next up. At UFC Vegas 43, we have Hafa Garcia versus Natan Levy. Hafa Garcia 12 and 2 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five, 
coming off of that absurd upset against Chris Grutzmacher, upset loss against Chris Grutzmacher, Natan, not Nathan, I don't know why I wrote Nathan on the graphic, Natan Levy, 6-0 and overall, 5-0 and in his last five. Listen, Hoffa Garcia is a good grappler with heavy hands, but weak cardio. I mentioned he's coming off of that disappointing loss to Chris Grutzmacher, and that was really disappointing. He looked good early. He gassed hard, and he lost to somebody that he should have gotten out of there in the first round. That was that was rough. That was rough, and that was embarrassing. Uh, similar to story to when he fought Hack Perest, but he is very dangerous. And even though he's a grappler with seven submission wins, he has legit power in his hands. And a lot of those submission wins were set up by the strikes. Natan Levy is making his official UFC debut here, and this is an interesting match. Natan is a very good grappler who grapples every single opportunity he can get, meaning he wastes no time on his feet. He immediately looks for trip-style takedowns. If you throw a kick, he will catch it, and he will go from there. He's very good on the ground, but he almost gets too excited, and he ends up in weird scrambles where all of a sudden he's defending a Kimura and then defending a guillotine. And honestly, I just feel like that's from lack of experience. Uh, that'll come with time. He'll clean that up with time. But Hoffa Garcia may not be the guy you want to be sort of learning on his time. And that's what makes this an interesting fight. We have a young, hot, hot prospect in Natan Levy making his official UFC debut against an absolute dog in Hoffa Garcia. And there's a world of experience difference between these two. If you watch Natan Levy's fights, they're pretty straightforward. Get it to the ground, work from there. He has three finishes and three decisions. His finishes were pretty opportunistic, meaning he snatched things up in scrambles. I saw somebody take a really bad shot. Natan Levy did everything you're not supposed to do. He reached over the body. He didn't get his hips back. But then he worked his hands in, snuck up a guillotine, and got it done. But his decisions are grappling-based decisions but again he ends up in like weird scrambles or he's defending kimuras and defending guillotines because he doesn't have that really solid pressure and he's almost too excited to try to move to another position instead of just holding where he is and staying firm listen hafa garcia is far more dangerous he has power in his feet he has great takedown defense and he is an absolute dog but after four minutes he is a tired dog. And that's the scariest thing here. Cardio is so scary. There are so many people that lose fights they shouldn't lose because of cardio, especially Hafa Garcia in his last fight. I, you know, I am still going to go with him here. <laughs> I think the experience, the stoppage threat, I just, I have to go with Hafa Garcia here. Um, I don't have a money line bet on him. But I do like wins inside the distance, decision, no action. Because Hoffa Garcia, I keep saying he's a dog. He's not a guy that you're just going to put away. You could beat on him and he will still be there. You're not going to put him away. And it doesn't matter how tired he gets. Look at the Chris Grutzmacher fight. Exhausted, barely standing so tired. But he hung tough and he stayed in there. So wins inside the distance, decision, no action. It's a safety net bet. And it's at minus 150. And what that means is if Hoffa Garcia knocks out Natan Levy or submits Natan Levy, you get paid. You win your bet. If he loses a decision, you get a refund. So it's a nice safety net bet where you're basically betting on wins by stoppage, but you don't have the risk that comes with win by stoppage. Because if he loses a decision, can't get a stoppage, you get a full refund. It's like your bet never happened. And you're only going to get that at wewantpicks.com slash bets. Bet Online is one of our three partners. You jump in there. They have this prop bet. It is minus 150 right now. I like it a lot. I didn't click the button just yet, but I think I might. I feel like trendy money is going to come in on Levy, and when that does, that's when I'll jump on the uh, Hoffa Garcia inside the distance decision, no action bet. But make that deposit. Let me know after you do, and I will send you $50, PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, however you want it. As far as the Monkey Knife Fight strike line is concerned, it's probably a more and more situation because I, I don't necessarily think Hoffa Garcia is going to get himself a knockout or a submission. That's why I like the decision no action part of that bet because it can, he can win a decision or lose a decision and it's okay. I get my money back. Nothing happened. So more and more is probably the play because I think they will go at it. 
I think they'll be busy. If anything, less on Natan Levy because he's not going to be on top. So he's not going to have the same opportunity to pummel and punch. He'll probably be on bottom or not get a takedown at all. In that case, maybe he can get over it. So more and more is probably the monkey knife fight play. We on picks.com slash MKF. Sign up. If you've never done it, you watch these videos, you go, what the hell is that? Just give it a try. It's a ton of fun. It's daily fantasy. They instantly match your deposits, so you can honestly just play with the free money and go from there. Next up, at UFC Vegas 43, we have Pat Sabatini versus Tucker Lutz. Pat Sabatini, 15-3 and three overall, 4-1 and one in his last five, coming off of that spectacular come-from-behind submission. Tucker Lutz, 12-1 and one overall, 5-0 and oh in his last five. And boy, do we have a fight. This is the feature prelim, and this is a really good fight. Tucker Lutz is a really good striker, probably the better striker in this matchup. He's willing to engage and set up his power shots well, but he has a wrestling background, and he uses it with his pressure and slam-style takedowns. Tucker is interesting because while he's dominant in most fights, Dana did not want to sign him because he just lays on top, he isn't very busy, and he tends to gas out. Pat Sabatini, we love Pat here. Jacob's Lock of the Week last time. We've picked him a few times. We've gotten paid a few times. And he's a very good wrestler, very good grappler. He's got solid pressure when on top, and his grappling is incredible. He is always live for a submission. In his last fight, he was dropped hard by Jamal Emmers, and he somehow kept the lights on and pulled off an awesome submission. It's easy to look at that and say, well, his striking isn't good. There's got to be holes. His chin isn't good because he was dropped and he was dropped hard. But he actually does have good striking. He moves really well. He controls range well with his in and out sort of bouncing movement. And he just happened to overcommit in that fight. He bounced in way too hard, way too fast, overcommitted. But he does usually time those striking entries well. And this is a tricky fight. We've got two wrestlers going at it. Sabatini is Definitely the better wrestler and grappler. But Tucker Lutz has the better striking and more power. But if we look at Tucker Lutz's striking a little closer, we'll see that he has a 5-4 to four striking differential, which is really bad. Because if you think about it, he also averages more than two takedowns per fight. So what that means is even though Tucker spends the majority of the fight on top, he manages to get hit a ton. With somebody who's spending most of the fight on top, they should not be getting hit four times for every five that they put out because every fight while you're on top is unanswered. So that means while he's actually standing and we're not counting the ground strikes, he's getting hit far more than he hits other people. And that's an interesting interesting, um, sort of view there. I'm saying that about myself, I guess, because a lot of people are talking about how great Tucker Lutz of striking is, but... The reality is he's got some defensive holes in his striking, but there's a lot of questions here. Is Tucker's 84% takedown defense good enough to keep this on his feet? Can Pat Sabatini win a striking match if it stays on his feet? There's lots of questions. I'm going with Pat Sabatini. I've seen him in trouble and have success. I've seen him do well in the striking. I've seen him do well in the grappling. He's an absolute threat on the ground, and Tucker gasses out. I got to go Pat Sabatini here. Pat's the pick. I'm not placing a bet because these are tricky odds for what could be a competitive and dangerous fight for sure. But I'm loving Pat Sabatini here. $8,700 is another one. He's priced well in DraftKings. He's under 9000 so he seems affordable, but $8,700 is a ton of money. I do like him. He may be in my lineup. It depends on the budget, but I do like him there. I know there's a lot of you that are super high on uh, Tucker Lutz. And if you are, then $7,500 is a bargain. That is a bargain, and you should have him in your lineup. Monkey Knight Fight, 68-62. I'm going to go less-less. I, I think these guys are going to go at it. I think there's a good amount of grappling. And if if Pat Sabatini gets this to the ground, then Pat Sabatini can win by submission. This is, a, this is another bet that would be amazing if you could do Pat Sabatini wins inside the distance, decision, no action meaning he wins by stoppage, but if it goes through decision, you get a refund. The problem is he's already a minus 160 favorite, and that would just be, it's a lot to spend. It's a really safe bet, but it's a lot to spend. I like Pat. I I will see if I can squeeze him in my DraftKings lineup at this price point, but I I just, 
I think Tucker Lutz's striking is a little bit overrated. Pat Sabatini did get dropped in his last fight, but look who he fought. Look how clean that punch was. And then look at the end result after that. So Pat Sabatini, absolute dog, Pennsylvania wrestler. He will stay in there. I think he gets this done inside the distance. I'm not going to bet that, but I do like Pat to win here. Next up at UFC Vegas, 43, we have Adrian Yanez versus Davey Grant. Adrian Yanez, 14-3 and overall, 5-0 and in his last five, coming off of four KO TKOs in a row. Davey Grant, 11-5 and overall, 3-2 and in his last five. Adrian Yanez is a fun technical striker with good striking IQ. He's got fast hands, real power, and an incredible chin. On paper, he is coming off of a nice TKO win over Randy Costa. But if you watch that fight, or if you dig a little deeper, then you know he lost that first round, and he was absolutely struggling to get going. He was outstruck 2-1 to one in that first round, and he was supposed to have a massive striking advantage. And in that first round, he was hit twice as much as he was able to hit Randy Costa. Um, and... He had a real time hide, real hard, what? A real hard time finding his rhythm and getting comfortable. It wasn't until the second round that he landed clean, put it together, and got it done. So, you know, interesting to say the least. Was that just a one-time thing? And obviously, his fights before that he was spectacular. But why did he have a hard time finding a rhythm? Was it an off night or was it a style thing? Davy Grant as of late, has been a busy striker who utilizes kicks for range and punches for damage with some real power. He was coming off of two KO wins in a row over Martin Day and Jonathan Martinez before he just lost a decision to Cheeto Vera. But a lot of people are forgetting that he started his UFC career as a grappler who averages more than two takedowns per fight. So Davey Grant is an experienced grappler who has gotten comfortable with his hands and developed real power as of late. With eight fights under the UFC banner, he has built himself solid fight IQ. Even when he gets dropped, which is more often than you would like, he stays composed and is able to work through it. And that's what makes this an interesting matchup because if this fight stays standing, then Yanez is the cleaner striker who will get from point A to point B faster and be a step ahead of Davey the entire time. Davey has had a suspect chin in the past, and Yanez is not the type of guy you want your chin tested against. Yanez himself has an incredible chin. He has great striking differential at 3-2, to two, uh, which will keep him safe from Davey's power. But don't forget, Davey is a grappler at heart. And if it comes out, if he comes out there with a grapple-heavy game plan, he's now sort of my favorite underdog on this entire card. Yanez is listed as having 100% takedown defense, but that's hollow because he only had five takedown attempts in, in the enti his entire UFC career. So the pick is Yanez, but Davey could make this interesting and pull off another upset if he goes with a grappling game plan. If he threatens with some takedowns, gets Yanez thinking a little too much, and then comes with that big heavy power, all of a sudden, Davey Grant, I've picked him in the past by to, to win, and he pulled off a big underdog knockout. I'm not picking him here. I like Yanez, but it is not insane that Davey Grant could bait Yanez or confuse Yanez with the constant threat of a takedown, but coming up for the strikes. Listen, I don't think I'm going to spend $9,100 on Yanez. And I may be made to look a fool because he may go out there and just put on an absolute clinic or put Davey Grant out, even if he loses the first round like he did in his last fight and then put it together in a second. But I'm probably not going to spend that $9,100 on, on Yanez, even though I do think he wins, and I think he wins striking. But Davey Grant might be a live dog at $7,100. I have no bet on this fight because, frankly, I do see a very clear path for Davey Grant to win this fight, so I'm not comfortable enough putting money down here. So I don't have a bet here. Uh, but Monkey Knife Fight, it's probably more and more. I think they'll go at it. These are two tough guys. Uh, Davey's a veteran. Tough guy, even, you know, that fight against Cheeto, he put up some solid numbers. So I like Davey Grant to get past the 48. I like Adrian to get past the 56. The pick is Yanez. Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Click on one of the three promos. Make a deposit. Let me know, and I will give you $50 as a thank you 
for supporting me, for supporting the channel, for supporting our partners. Next up, at UFC Vegas 43, we have the artist formerly known as J.J. Calderwood. She is now Joanne Wood. I have, somebody let me know in the comments, I literally was looking all over the internet to understand what happened here. What happened to the Calder in Wood? I can understand going from JJ to Joanne or Jojo, uh, Jojo to Joanne. I get that. That one I get. I don't know what happened to the Calder in the Calderwood. Was that, is that not her actual last name? Was that just the nickname? And she got rid of it? I have no idea. But now she's Joanne Wood. But if you recognize her, it's because she was Jojo Calderwood forever. Tyla Santos. JJ Calderwood versus Kyla Santos. So, Tyla Santos, 18 and 1 overall, 4 and 1 in her last five. Joanne Wood, 15 and 6 overall, 2 and 3 in her last five, alternating wins and losses. Joanne Wood is a technical striker with solid kicks and solid pressure. She mixes up her techniques really well with knees, elbows, kicks, and punches. And when she decides to grapple, she's got decent takedowns and decent takedown defense. She likes to dictate the pace, has solid volume with an impressive striking differential of almost 7 to 5. And that is really impressive because if you pay attention to some of the numbers I rattle off, we're usually talking 3 to 2, 4 to 2 if you're busy. She's 7 to 5, super busy. It means she gets hit five times, but she's got good output with that 7. Tyler Santos is also a striker, but a very different striker where Wood is technical and diverse. Tyla is powerful, athletic, and just absolutely willing to slug it out. We haven't seen it yet in the UFC, but she has a ton of stoppages on her resume. Not only is her boxing fantastic, her grappling is as well. She averages almost three takedowns per fight with an 86% takedown accuracy and an 88% takedown defense. If you look at her fight against Molly McCann, and I've referenced this in the past, she took Molly down five times because she was very well aware of Molly's striking credentials. So she may not need to take Joanne down in this fight, but the point here is that she makes adjustments on the fly, she fights a smart game plan, and she's willing to mix up how she approaches each fight. I think Tyla is better than Joanne pretty much everywhere. Uh, I think she will cruise to a decision win, but Joanne does have a path to victory. She's the more technical striker, so she could stick and move. She could avoid a brawl, keep the distance, avoid a takedown. If she does get taken down, she'll need to stay busy, threaten from her back so she's not giving up minutes to the judges. Tyler's definitely the pick, but I would say that that you know Joanne Wood is Tyler's toughest opponent to date. The odds are probably a little wide. Maybe not because at the end of the day, those odds are just the odds of Tyla winning this fight. And I do think she's the three-to-one favorite to win this fight. But I don't think it's going to be a start-to-finish blowout. I think it'll be sort of a, a, a dirtier fight. Joanne Calderwood's super tough. And, um, you know, it, it'll be a really fun watch, honestly. I'm not spending $9,200 on Tyla Santos. I do think she wins. She probably gets some takedowns. But I don't see her just taking down and then stopping Joanne Wood. I don't see that happening. $7,000 for Calderwood. And I just keep alternating what the hell her name is. My bad. But $7,000, I don't think that's worth it. Because I don't know how she's going to win. I just said how she could win. But frankly, if even if that's how she wins, stick and move, stay on the outside, don't get sucked into a brawl, that's not a high-scoring win in DraftKings. That's just however many strikes you land times .2. That's really not going to get that done. So while I think this is a tough fight, I just don't think Joanne Wood's worth the money in DraftKings. The monkey knife fight line, you're probably good with a more and more. I think they will go at it. Tyler will get some takedowns, which will help her get past the 84. And while she's standing, Joanne has crazy volume. I mentioned it before, seven to five striking differential. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, Interesting line because I hate the 70s. I, I wish it, you know, much higher so I can say less or lower so I can say more. But I still think they get past uh, both of these. These are two tough women that will go at it. Um, you know, we haven't really seen all of those stoppages out of Tyler Santos in the UFC. I don't necessarily think this is the fight that's going to start a new stoppage streak for her. Tyler's going to win. I like the more and more in the monkey knife fight line. 
You let me know if there's a bet that you like here. We want picks.com slash bets. We have three different betting partners. Jump into one of them, make a deposit, let me know, and I'll send you $50 cash at PayPal, Venmo, however you want it. Next up at UFC Vegas 43, we have Ronnie Yaya versus Kyung Ho Kang. This fight has been rebooked from July. This is supposed to happen in July. It has been rebooked. Ronnie Yaya, 27 and 10 overall, 3 1 and 1, coming off of a solid submission win in his last five. Kyung Ho Kang, 17 and 8 overall, 4 and 1 in his last five, but he is coming off of a two year layoff. Ronnie Yaya is an incredible grappler with high level BJJ. He's well rounded with improved striking, but grappling is without a doubt his bread and butter. He is relentless with the takedown de- um, attempts where he only has a 33% accuracy. He still manages to get three takedowns per fight on average. And if that tells you anything is that he is constantly moving forward, looking for a takedown, constantly trying to make something happen. Kyung Ho Kang hasn't fought in nearly two years. He's a very well-rounded fighter. He uses his range to keep you uh, at distance uh, when he wants. And then he works his range really well to get his takedowns from there. He also averages almost three takedowns per fight, but has a much higher takedown accuracy at 59%. He is primarily a grappler with top-heavy pressure and submissions. This is a hard fight to call. These odds, yeah, it's dead even. It's a pick as far as the odds concerned. And, and I, I get it because Hank wants to wrestle. He needs to grapple to win. But Ronnie is by far the better grappler. Kang's the better striker, averaging three significant strikes per minute to Ronnie's two. But will he get the chance to strike when Ronnie is constantly working a takedown? I think Kang's path is to strike, keep it on his feet, which is possible. He has a 71% takedown defense. But can he ignore his grappling instincts? Can he just go against everything that he normally does in a fight and keep this standing instead of looking to get it to the ground? We've made off... We've made money off Ronnie Aya in the past. I have to continue riding with him. Ronnie's the pick, but I don't feel great about it. And you know what's interesting? I just felt like Ronnie was 43 or 44 years old. And when I started digging in and doing the research, I was like, yeah, I'm like, how am I going to pick? Listen, like, well, Glover has defined the odds at 42. You know, Big Ben just lost really bad at his age. I don't know about Ronnie. The dude's 36. He's 36. He's not even old. He's just been fighting for that long. So Ronnie Yaya, uh, you know, he's the pick. Honestly, that's what saved it for me because if he was 40-something, I actually might have gone the other way. This is razor thin. Ronnie's relentless wrestling attempts, takedown attempts, relentless grappling should be the difference. But Kang's the better striker. If he can keep it standing, he should win. But I see Ronnie just smothering him on the feet, not letting him get some distance, taking him down and going from there. But razor, razor thin pick. $8,000 to $8,200, pick your side. Pick your side. I do think the winner probably scores pretty well. So, uh, And we're talking even money here. So pick your side for DraftKings. Um, and the Monkey Knight fight line, that's a hard line. Uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking less, less, honestly, because I think Ronnie's going to be grappling like crazy. Absolutely grabbing like crazy. If he can't get it to the ground, he may get stopped on his feet. And if he does get it to the ground, he's not super busy on top with strikes, right? He's looking for submissions, looking to roll, go from there. And and Kang isn't going to be able to get off 70 strikes with Ronnie constantly on his hips. What did I mention? Ronnie gets three takedowns per fight on average, but his takedown accuracy is only 33%. That means that he's attempting nine takedowns, which is a lot. Two per round is six, so three per round he's attempting. So he's a busy guy, constantly looking forward, looking for takedowns, and that could be a problem for Kang to get over the 70 strikes on the Monkey Knife Fight strike line. If you don't know what Monkey Knife Fights is, go to weonpicks.com slash MKF. It is daily fantasy. It is super fun. All you need to do is say, do you think that fighter will land more or less than their strike line? And if you're right, you can two and a half times your money. Ton of fun, super easy, super fun. It's an app on your phone. WeWantPicks.com slash MKF. Get your deposit. WeWantPicks.com slash bets. Sign up. 
Make a deposit. Let me know. I'll send you 50 bucks. Next up at UFC Vegas 43, we have the co-main event of the evening. We have a really good fight in this spot. This could honestly be the headliner. You could flop this with the Misha Tate fight. But we have Sean Brady versus Michael Chiesa. Sean Brady, 14-0, 5-0 in his last five, coming off of two straight submission wins. Michael Chiesa, 17-5. He's 4-1 in his last five. He was on a nice four-fight win streak before Vincente Luque submitted him. And we have a great matchup here. Michael Chiesa is a pretty one-dimensional guy. He has a very straightforward game plan. He comes forward, looks for takedowns, works from there. He doesn't have a real versatile set of takedowns, but the few that he does use, they work well. Body locks, trips, those do work really well for him. And once he's on top, he has solid pressure and can alternate between ground and pound and submissions. We've seen him get a little too aggressive, make risky decisions on top. His last fight against Luke, for example, he had Luke down. He could have taken his back, locked in the position. Instead, he jumped on his neck, lost the position, and then he ended up getting submitted. His striking is not very good, and it's basically only there to set up takedowns, but he is massive at 170, and he has phenomenal cardio to push the pace. Sean Brady, he's a high-level grappler with legit power in his hands. He plots forward. He throws bombs. He'll even mix it up with some spinning back fists far more often than you'd like to see out of somebody with that sort of level of striking. He can be dangerous on his feet and is definitely dangerous on the ground. This is a fun matchup because you have two primary grapplers, but they go about it very differently. Where Chiesa doesn't want to strike, Brady is very willing to engage. Where Chiesa wants to trip and grind, Brady will shoot a clean double right up the middle. Where Chiesa can set an incredible pace, Brady can start to slow down, start to get a little fatigued. Jacob likes to use the term lunch pail, as in he's a lunch pail kind of fighter. He shows up, does his job, eats his lunch, goes home, nothing fancy, nothing special. And honestly, that, that's kind of a great description for Chiesa. He shows up, very narrow-minded game plan, pushes that pace, sticks to that game plan, tries to get it done goes home. But Sean is more athletic, more powerful, has a 100% takedown defense so far in the UFC. I like Sean here, but I think this is a good back and forth fight. And I like Chiesa to win at least one round, which is why I think he's a great spot for a minus 150 plus three and a half bet. What that means is you can buy a round on the judge's scorecard. So if Chiesa wins a single round, all he has to do is win one round. And with Sean Brady gassing the way that he does sometimes, I could see Michael Chiesa winning, losing the first two rounds, winning the third, making it a little dangerous. You buy three and a half points on the scorecard. He wins one round, loses two. You get paid. You win your bet. You hit it, and you get paid. Michael Chiesa is a plus 130 underdog, but I don't like him to win. But at minus 150, I just need him to win a single round. So it's an interesting bet. It's got some safety built into it. If you think he's going to get finished, it's a terrible bet because you'll lose. But if you think he can take a round away from Sean Brady, probably the third because of his cardio, minus 150 is not a bad price to pay to just win a single round. You could spend that exact same minus 150 on Sean Brady money line. But listen, Michael Chiesa is still dangerous. He is huge for that weight class. And I could see him losing the first two rounds and not only winning the third round, but getting a stoppage in the third round. So I'm not comfortable spending minus 150 on Sean Brady money line, but I am comfortable spending minus 150 to buy a round on the judges' scorecards. Michael Chiesa just needs to win one round, not get finished, and then I can get paid. You're only going to get that at wewantpicks.com slash bets. Jump into one of three partners, make a deposit, let me know, and I will pay you $50. The partner that has the plus three and a half bet is Bet Online. So we on picks.com slash bets, jump into Bet Online, make a deposit, let me know. I'll pay you 50 bucks, but they have these really fun prop bets, and I like it. DraftKings, Michael Kansas may not be a bad play at 7,300 bucks. I also think Sean Brady is a solid play at 89. So this is a pick your side type DraftKings spot because I think both prices are honestly pretty appropriate and there's upside to each. If we take a look 
at the knife strike or the monkey knife fight strike line. I'm not going to touch that. I don't know what to do with that. 97 for Sean Brady. That's such a giant number. 68. It's probably less, less, frankly. But I'm not going to touch that strike line. That's a, that's a tough strike line to mess with. I'm not going to touch it. Let's let the money come in. The money will move it around. Once the money moves it, maybe we'll get more favorable numbers that we can actually like make a decision and be convinced. So Sean Brady's the pick. There's some betting opportunity with Michael Chiesa at plus three and a half just to win a single round. Go to weonpicks.com slash bets. Make a deposit. Let me know. I will pay you $50. PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, however you want it. Next up, at UFC Vegas 43, we have a brand new graphic on the screen. Let me know. Do you like this one? Do you like the other graphics that we've done the rest of this card? I'm experimenting with new stuff, always trying to improve, make it cleaner, easier on the eyes. Let me know if you like this, like the first one, or like all the other ones. Either way, the main event of UFC Vegas 43, we have Misha Tate versus Ketlin Vieira. Misha Tate, 19 and 7 overall. Ketlin Vieira, 11 and 2 overall. Misha Tate, this is her second fight in the UFC after a five-year layoff. In her last fight, she looked great. It looked like it was the best shape she had ever been in in her entire career. She fought a great fight, nice clean takedown, solid finish, but it was against a pretty low level of competition. Misha Tate is a very good wrestler and grappler with technical striking. People forget she is the former champion in this division. She's pretty good everywhere, including off of her back, and... Just go look at the Holly Holm fight where she submitted her off her back, and that's how she won the belt to become the champion at bantamweight. Ketlin Vieira is a powerful come-forward striker with solid takedowns and top work. She marches forward. She throws heavy. She looks to tie it up and then will trip or Uchimata from there. If you don't know what an Uchimata is, it's like a wizard, and then you kick out the legs and pull over. Um, it's like a kind of looks judo-y, but, you know, it's a... Yeah, you can call it a trip, but that's what it is. People usually do it while defending takedowns. Um, and once she hits that Uchimata, once she gets those trip takedowns on top, she keeps solid control. She pressures. She pounds away. And she's not incredibly fast. She's not incredibly athletic, but she is big, strong, and fundamentally sound. Neither of these two women are particularly good strikers. In fact, both of them have negative striking differentials, meaning both of them are hit more often than they hit their opponents. Misha only strikes to set up takedowns, and Ketlin, while powerful, is too slow to avoid most strikes. And it's a tricky matchup because if it stays standing, I see Ketlin's power being an issue over time for Misha, who already doesn't like to strike. But I expect Misha to be relentless with her grappling. I see her taking shot after shot, trying to get this to the ground, but Ketlin has solid takedown defense at 92%. Sarah McMahon, the Olympic wrestler, was one for six in takedowns against Ketlin. I think Misha has a hard time with the striking, moves to grappling, finds even more hard times, and Ketlin is the pick. I've got a money line bet on Ketlin. Uh, basically, even money. I got it at plus 100. Not basically, that is even money. Um, but this is a great live bet if you watched our live stream last week for UFC Vegas 42, there were some really good live betting opportunities. I think this is one of those because if Misha Tate does have takedown success, I would hit that side and I'd hit it quick. If Misha Tate attempts a few takedowns and doesn't get them, and we're talking in the first few minutes of the fight, I would immediately play the Ketlin side. Immediately. So I like Ketlin here. I got a money line bet, one full unit on her. I've got a win streak going. A, I haven't lost money on bets in six plus months, but B, you guys pointed out that every woman that I bet on and all my money line bets have been rock solid that I haven't missed any. I didn't even know that that was happening, but now you have me nervous and I'm over analyzing every single female fight and every single money line bet. So we'll see what happens here, but I am confident that Ketlin can get this done she will 100% be in my DraftKings lineup. We're talking five rounds at $7,900, and I think she could, she could potentially even get a stoppage. And don't forget, Misha Tate, this was supposed to happen maybe a month ago, something like that, and she had COVID. And she said it like knocked her on her ass, and her lungs weren't fully back till recently. So 
you know, we don't know. Misha Tate looked amazing in her last fight against much lower level of competition, but her cardio might not be what it was in her last fight because of some, uh, you know, COVID comeback there. Monkey Knight fight strike line. This is another one. Uh, if listen, if you think this goes the distance, more and more easy play done. If you think there's a stoppage here, less less easy play done. There, it's a high line. There are five rounds instead of three, but uh, I do think I, I think it likely goes the distance or close to the distance. So more and more is probably the play. I see Ketlin spending a decent amount of time on her feet or on top. 128 is a super high number, though, so I'll probably avoid Monkey Knife Fight. But don't forget, wewantpicks.com slash bets. Jump in, make a deposit, let me know, and I will send you $50. It's that easy. Thank you guys so much for the watch. Like the video. Subscribe. Let me know what you think about these graphics. We're constantly trying to improve, constantly trying to make updates. Let me know if you like this one. I know you guys hate this one, but let me know anyway. The first fight I broke down on this card with Sam Hughes, that had a new graphic as well. Check that one out. Let me know if you like that graphic or if we just keep it the same. I'll see you guys on Saturday. Before you go, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. You've heard me mention this a million times, but I'm going to do it again. wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have three different betting partners. All three of them offer deposit matches. All three of them will give you free money. But once you click on a link, once you make a deposit, let me know. And I will also give you free money. I will send you $50 cash. PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, however you want it, I will send you $50. Just make a deposit. Let me know. I'll need your username. I'll verify the deposit. And I will get you paid. It is that simple. Literally just to thank you for supporting us, supporting our partners, supporting the channel. Thank you for everything. Thanks for the watch. We'll see you on Saturday.